0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. I'm going to try to do my best to deliver it biblically, tactfully, respectfully, And we have been talking about the family on Sunday afternoons and various aspects of the family. So I'd like to address this afternoon, attire, dress, and the family. And this message you may like, you may not like, if you don't like it, well, just bear with it. You won't hear it again for another three years or so. (laughs) They'll give you enough time to recover and recoup from it And and then in another three years, you can get upset at me again. It, it, it is not my intent. I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to get anybody upset at me. I, I don't want to shy away from something because I'm afraid somebody might get upset at me. I'm trying to find a biblical balance. We're talking about the family. I really do believe this is one of the more important things that doesn't get talked about enough. <clears throat> I don't think that we realize how much the culture and the world influences us and our family. So I'd like to start off by reading 1 Samuel 16. It's nothing new to anyone. I I don't believe this passage is very familiar. I'm going to look at one thing in this chapter. Verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. And amen. It's not like you can look at somebody and really understand who they are. You, you, you can't, I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. This is the point. And then, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. And because of that, we need to know some Bible principles concerning dress and attire. Why? Because man does look on the outward. It's very obvious from this passage. But the Lord looketh on the heart. This is not a salvation issue. What you wear on the outside. God wants to know what's on the inside. And really, you've probably heard this before. What is on the inside will manifest itself on the outside. It's not the other way around. You can't clean yourself up on the outside and present yourself to God. You can't be saved or impress God by your outward. But man does look on the outward. There's some importance there. Go to Proverbs chapter number seven. I believe it's more about principles, biblical principles, than it is about trying to legislate what people wear. But nonetheless, what you wear, what I wear, is important. It's not the most important, but it is important. Proverbs 7. Look at verse number 9. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Now, if you're out that that late, that's a call for caution. We are people of the day. Read First Thessalonians. <laughs> We're not a people of the night. We sleep at night, unless you're on night shift and you got to. And then that's when all the crazies come out and get paid more to deal with. But but honestly, there's a principle behind that. Go to bed, take a nap, go to sleep, wake up early in the morning, and let's go after it. But so we see here. Let's look. look let's look. Look what else happens. Verse number ten. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. We're dealing with an outward appearance. We are dealing with attire and it's categorized of an harlot. We don't have to know what the articles of clothing were, but we know that there was an outward attire that was worn And it had an effect. What we wear communicates what we're up to, what we're about. It it does. And we see that principle in Proverbs 7. Look at verse number 11. Um, Well, let's look at verse 7 first. And behold, among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a man void of understanding. You've got a man void of understanding in verse number seven. And then in verse number, what is it? Nine, that man who is void of understanding is making a very clear choice based on what he sees. (laughs) He understood some things based on the attire. Verse number 11, it says, she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Everybody would agree that loud and stubborn would be an opposite principle of modest and meek and quiet, right? These are all ways that someone can communicate. So what we have here is a loud and stubborn woman. It is an immodest. Not only is the attire immodest, verse number 10, but her entire disposition is immodest. You can wear the right clothes and have the wrong disposition. Here we have both, an attire of an harlot, and we have uh, an immodest disposition to go along with it. I want you to hold this thought, and I want you to get uh, Hosea. I know we don't go there a lot, but if you find Ezekiel, keep flipping, you'll come to Daniel. And right after Daniel's, you'll see the book of Hosea. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and we'll go to the fourth chapter. I want to just cross-reference here. Talked about backsliding in the Sunday school lesson. Uh, But I believe there's a principle we can tie in here. Look at verse number 16 of Hosea 4. For Israel slideth back. As a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. You got a heifer. That's a, that's a young female cow. That's what they call a heifer. And you get one that won't endure a yoke. Won't stay in the pasture that she's been confined to. And where she is allowed to roam and enjoy the safety of the confinement of that pasture? No, she's here Israel is likened to a backsliding heifer. Nobody's putting a yoke on me. I'm not staying in my place. This pasture isn't for me. I'm going where I want to go. That was the nation. They didn't want God's yoke. You got a loud and stubborn natured animal and you try to control that animal, good luck. Israel rebelled against God's instruction. They didn't have a meek and quiet spirit about, it. and so the prophet warns them here. And the same way you try to control a twelve hundred or a fifteen hundred pound heifer, you can't put a yoke on that thing. And you look, there's a principle here in Proverbs seven. You're going to get a loud and stubborn woman. You ain't. You, you about. You got. You're. Probably better off trying to control That heifer It's going to be a battle There's a disposition here That's being spoken about Look at verse, uh, go back to Proverbs 7 Please And look at verse number 11, there's multiple Problems in this Chapter that we, we Are being warned about Verse number uh, 10 of Proverbs 7. Oh, I'm sorry. We're, uh, uh, verse number 11. I'm sorry. She is loud and stubborn. The next part says her feet abide not. In her house. Ladies. What did God tell you to do in Titus 2? Be keepers where? At home. Be keepers at home. I'm not staying home. I'm doing what I want to do. Her feet. Abide not in her house. she's not content at home. This isn't a principle or a passage, and neither is Titus to say, you know you, you lock your wife in the house and don't let her out that's not that's not that's not. The old joke is you know you, you lock your you know you lock your wife in the in the trunk for two hours and then you lock your dog in the trunk for two hours and you come back two hours later, you open the trunk. Which one's going to be happy to see you? (laughs) I can tell you, it'll be the dog, it won't be the wife. You're not holding your wife captive in the house and she can't leave. That's not what it means to be a keeper at home. Ladies can leave the house. And if necessary, if they work outside the home, they're not of the devil. But there is a principle that says she's chaste, she's a keeper at home. She's content keeping her house. And Proverbs 7 is the polar opposite. This is a woman who's not content. Her disposition is loud and stubborn, and her attire is that same. It communicates the same thing. It just won't stay in their pasture. And we all have a pasture. God wants us in the pasture that he's put us in. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Gentlemen. Pay attention here, Matthew chapter 5, also get 1 Corinthians 9, get both of those passages. Matthew 5 and 1 Corinthians 9. Matthew chapter 5, you all know this verse, 28, we'll read it together, this is Jesus speaking, Verse 27 You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the Old Testament law given in Exodus. And then verse number 28, But I say unto you, this is Jesus, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already, where? In his heart. God, gentlemen and young men, God commands you to control yourself. God commands me to control myself, control what you look at. Well, she shouldn't be dressing that way. Stop. You shouldn't be looking that way. And gentlemen, with all due respect, as a culture, this nation has gotten good at blaming the woman for everything. God told you as a man to not look with lust control yourself control what you look at on the phone, on the internet on the TV, out in the community I don't care if you're at the beach or at Walmart, control yourself go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 too many men in independent Baptist circles are concerned about the women dressing modestly yet their thoughts are immodest 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, Paul says, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Personal ownership and responsibility. Paul's taking care of his body. You know what you need to do, gentlemen? You mind your body. You keep your body in subjection and stop worried about what everybody else is doing or not doing. Lest up by any other means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. No one's gonna take you for serious if you can't keep yourself under control. First Timothy two. First Timothy two. Ladies, God does command you to dress modestly. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, many preachers have quoted Brother Roloff when he has had so many great quotes. But one of his quotes was, this is one of those verses, uh, I'm messing up the quote, but this is one of those verses that's in the Bible that you don't need a lot of brains to preach it, you just need a lot of guts to preach it. And that, that's what this sermon is, you need some guts to be able to go over these matters. But ladies, God expects some things from you as well, and and, and gentlemen as well. He expects modesty from both sexes. Verse number nine, it says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Stop worrying about what sister so-and-so is wearing, and adorn yourself. Stop worrying about what You think that sister should wear and you worry about, point to yourself, worry about you. You adorn yourself in modest apparel with shamefacedness. That's different than a loud and stubborn disposition. Shamefacedness. We're living in a culture in America and sadly, many, I hate to say churches, many campuses, many buildings are filled with people It doesn't seem like ladies are embarrassed about anything. They don't blush about anything. They don't get red about anything. There's no shame in anything. That is an immodest disposition. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works, it is a natural and modest outworking of a Christian lady to do good works, it's fitting, it's modest and it's t- it, it. verse number nine at the end of verse nine it's not a period. It's a semicolon, and the period comes after verse 10. Verse 9 and 10 is one complete sentence. Modesty has to do with your profession of godliness comes out, your modesty comes out with the disposition of good works, not just attire. If you want to have modest attire, Isaiah 47 talks about okay here to here is the thigh the knee bone to the thigh bone and Isaiah 47 says ladies gentlemen if that area of your body is uncovered you are violating God's principle of nakedness with it being uncovered. Isaiah 47, you'll have to turn there, I'll read it to you. Make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Gentlemen, if you wanna run around the basketball court with short shorts, with half your thigh hanging out, know this, you are running around naked, not by the basketball coach's definition and not by the school's definition, But by God's definition, you're running around half naked. Ladies, get this. Oh, I have a dress on. Okay. Well, it comes up to here. That's called naked. That is not a preacher being mean. I don't care what any of the TV guys say or any of these guys that are afraid to touch these verses. God tells men and women. That if their thighs are uncovered, then you are half naked. Cover your legs. More specifically, your thighs. What if somebody has an attraction with my knee? God says that's okay. Well, you know, you got nice knees. Very, very nice. Okay, okay, we okay. Nice knees, nice shin bones, nice. If you want to go above and beyond and wear a skirt all the way down to your ankles, fine, have at it. Gentlemen, you want to wear shorts? Fine, wear shorts, but make sure they cover your thighs. My friend, you can wear shorts, but yeah, the skin is that we just called them chicken legs. Yeah, but so he, he got embarrassed about that, Start wearing long pants. But, but look, God, God defines. Nakedness as the thigh being uncovered. Contrary to Laodicean preaching, there is a clear distinction between a man and a woman. Bible says so. God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created. The male and female created he them. If any of the brothers. Called me up or pulled me inside and said, Brother uh, well, Jimmy, a couple of the guys are getting together. We're taking our young boys out. We're gonna go shopping for some blouses for them. Would you like to come along? What what? Is that funny? <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? That's a funny, that's a funny thought. You know what my first thought would be? I'm gonna punch that guy. <laughs> that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. No, I am not going to go shopping for my son to pick out a blouse. (laughs) Then why have thousands of Christian moms and Christian women been convinced we're going to go out shopping and we're going to go buy some trousers for our little girls? If you're going to do it for one, why aren't you going to do it for the other? The whole thought is a thought of insanity. Not one time. Before I was saved and after I was saved, did I ever think to go to the clerk at a clothing store and say, ma'am, can you please show me where the men's dress section is? And ladies say all the time, well, I don't wear men's, I don't wear men's trousers, I wear ladies' trousers. Well, show me the section in the store that has men's blouses, men's skirts. There is a distinction that if you just think about it for half a second, you know that one sounds so ridiculous and the other, you know why it doesn't sound ridiculous? It's just so far gone. That YouTube will probably take this one down. Because it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about. But like my wife says, you, the guy that the ultimate optimist, you take the bull by the horns and get thrown off. Go to Leviticus 18, let's move on. A child's identity is formed in his mind before that child reaches puberty. And the clothes that his parents choose to dress him or her in. It's two genders. Those distinctively gender opposites that are put before a child at a young age, it is formed in their mind before they even hit puberty. Leviticus 18. Verse number 22, the Bible says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination to God. Because a man marries a woman. A woman marries a man, men and men, and women and women. That is an absolute abomination because there is no separation and distinction between what God said. The LBGT community, lesbian, gay, all that, queer, trans, at a young age, they are training their children to be confused. Before they even hit puberty, they are training them. They are training boys to be the softer, weaker sex, and they are training girls to be loud and stubborn, and don't you dare stay in your pasture. You be a you be a loud, stubborn heifer that can't be have a yoke put on. That's exactly what you see. That's what you see in society. Where shouldn't you see that? In the church with God's people. Romans 1 gives us the cross-reference. Likewise, also the men, even the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was me. It's an awful, horrible thing. What is happening in our culture and what our schools, government-owned, and what our politicians, government-funded, and what our preachers lobbied and paid for by the fat cats that run the, the denominations and the people that put money in that offering box or that offering plate. Because you have career preachers that don't have much money. And they vote that man out of there because he's preaching about this stuff. where He don't have a parsonage in. And his only degree is in the Bible. Where do you think he's going to get hired? They got the golden handcuffs on a lot of these guys. And it's a sad thing. Preacher, you keep that up. You don't let this queer agenda come in. You don't stand against. uh, You you keep standing against this uh, homosexual marriage thing. We'll vote you out of here. We'll get you out of here. We'll get somebody else in. I'm not lying. It's happened with the Methodist church all over America. We don't agree with a lot of the Methodist doctrine, but you have conservative Methodist churches, which we would disagree with some of their doctrine. The churches were built in the 1800s. Great grandmas buried in this cemetery attached to the church property. Those people have given year after year, family lineage after family li- lineage. They have given to that church. And the preacher goes, woke. You know how bad that's hurting a lot of old, line conservative Methodists? That hurts. Because the preacher won't stand. This homosexual agenda, this trans agenda, has moved into our churches. It's a reality that we must deal with. Now we'll go to everybody's favorite verse. Deuteronomy chapter number 22. Buckle up your seatbelts. And we'll read the verse. I won't preach on it. And then we'll read the verse and I will preach on. Deuteronomy 22 verse number five. The woman. You know what a woman is. What's a woman? Not a man. You know what a woman is. And you don't need any preaching on it. You just read it. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so. Are abomination under the Lord. And your mind, or some minds go to, well, that's not what it means. And you know why your mind goes to, that's not what it means? Because that's what it means. (laughs) That's what it means. There's no reason to list articles of clothing now, my kids, we have this game. It's a matching game. It's an old game. And there's a bunch of these cards. And all of the cards have uh, a boy and a girl. From all the different countries in the world. There's a bunch of these different cards. that You need to match the boy with the girl with the right country. The boy, every single country, everyone. The boy has a distinctively masculine attire. And the woman, the girl, has a distinctively, a gender-specific feminine attire. And in every single one of those countries, there's some similarities. There There is a definite distinction in the attire. But the articles of clothing themselves change. Because in America you might have dresses, you may have blouses, you may have. Does anybody buy culottes anymore? I, I don't. Most of the girls I know wear dresses and blouses. But if you were to go to Korea, you wouldn't see that. You would see kimonos. It's not the article of clothing. It's the, the distinction in the attire and a distinction in the apparel. And this secular card game has it right it shows each country and it shows a distinction between what the man wears and what the woman wears notice also this is clearly a instruction to the nation of israel but we see at the end of the verse it says for not just the nation that does so is an abomination it says for all that do so are an abomination look at verse number nine and so someone says well you're saying i can't sow seed then if you're going to take one verse out of the Out of the passage, you have to take all the verses. And you're right. If you're going to take one, you've got to take all. God separated that nation from what? Every other nation. That principle goes through the entire chapter. God took that nation and says, you are going to be distinct in everything you do from every single other nation. That principle is in the New Testament. We are to be distinct, pilgrims, strangers of this world. The God said the apparel you wear will be different. How you plant will be different. You will not mix seeds. What you how you make your clothes will be different. Now, this suit that I'm wearing this afternoon. My wife hates this suit. Every time I put this suit on, I wear that suit. This suit. You know why I like it? It's a linen suit. We're moving into the warmer temperatures in Tennessee. It's cool. It's not wool. Wool makes me hot. Linen. Mean, it's light. But it wrinkles. My wife doesn't like wrinkles. Okay, so we'll wear the suit, take the jacket off. If I was part of the nation, it's either wear that linen suit or wear the wool suit. Wool's more expensive. You got to pay more for wool suits. Linen suits are cheaper. You can get more for your money. They're cooler, they're lighter, but they don't last as long. There's a difference. God said for that nation, don't mix linens together. I want you to be separate. There's a whole principle of separation throughout this entire chapter. You're going to plow. Look at verse number 10. You got an ox and you got an ass. And you're not going to plow them both together. Maybe you don't want the kids to get hurt, so you got to pick one animal. I don't know. The point is, there's a distinction between an ox and an ass. And God said, I want you to do it this way. He's teaching them to be separate. In Deuteronomy chapter number 22, you have, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. And the period doesn't come there. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord. I hope we have time this afternoon. I want to get to all this. So go to 1 Corinthians 10, because this is important. Well, that's the Old Testament. Well, you didn't say that about the Genesis account. And this whole trans thing that's going on now, everybody goes to Genesis, the Old Testament. And none of the conservatives complain about that. We can go to the Old Testament, folks. Go to 1 Corinthians 10. Look at verse number one. Paul does it. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. We're all baptized in the most in the cloud and in the sea. He went to the Old Testament. He's in Exodus 13, and he's in Exodus 14. The parting of the Red Sea. Read verse 3. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. In, you know where he's at now? exodus 16 this is paul preaching out of the old testament in the new testament verse 4 and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was christ remember moses smote the rock god gave him water where is he preaching on it exodus 17. the prince paul is using the old testament those principles, and he's applying to the New Testament. Verse number five, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. We're in Numbers 13 and 14. They can't take the land. God wants you to do I'll throw you fellows in the wilderness. That's all Old Testament stuff. Verse number six, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Old Testament can teach New Testament Christians. Paul is using the Old Testament. Verse number seven neither the idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. You know where that's taken? That's taken from Exodus 32. They've got themselves a molten calf. And they are going to feast in honor of that idol. They are going to dance and sing praises under that idol. You know what he's trying to teach us in 1 Corinthians 10? Don't you act like that. He's taking Old Testament principles. Look at verse number 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. When did that happen? That's Numbers 25. The people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, and they all fell. <clears throat> Verse number nine, neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also te- tempted. Well, who are some of them? Well, that would be, that's Exodus 17. Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? Uh, and we're destroyed of, of serpents. That's, that, we go, where do we go for that? That's Numbers 21. Verse number 10, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. What did the nation do a lot of in the Old Testament? They murmured a lot. Folks, you're you picking up what we're trying to put down this afternoon. There's a lot of this in the Old Testament where these principles are applied. Okay. 1 Corinthians 11, guess what happens in the next chapter? Verse number four, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered. Then verse five, every woman prayeth, prayeth or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonored her head. We go right from Paul's principles from the Old Testament. And then by the time we get to chapter 11, he's right back into distinction. Boys wear belts, I guess I can't wear a belt. Boys wear socks, I guess I can't wear socks. Boys wear. It's not a fair argument. None of that has to do with the distinction that God made. We can finish up. Everybody okay? Want to move on? In the Old Testament, you've got four books. In the Old Testament, that forbid lying with an animal. That means if you wanted to marry your goat, God says that is vile. You cannot do that. Okay? I know that you're laughing, but we are not far from that in America. There are already people that are taking classes for yoga with their goat. Their goat, Kelly. I thought we farmed with our animals. I thought we ate with our animals. I didn't know we were going to breed goats to do yoga with. I know, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I know, it's, it's ridiculous. In Genesis chapter two, verse 20, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. God said, all these animals are made. And he looked around and he said, Adam, that is not suitable for you. It's not suitable. We get that principle in Genesis. In the creation account. In Exodus. In Leviticus. In Deuteronomy. The Bible says you are cursed and should be put to death. If you lie with an animal. Can I get a witness? Amen. Do you know we don't have one New Testament verse. That tells us. that we can cross-reference that with? Any of those verses from those four books. We don't have a cross-reference verse. Well, that's the Old Testament. I guess we can do it now. Really? Nobody would conclude like that. You know that's an abomination. And when God says, for all that do so are an abomination, it doesn't matter what we come up with in our mind. God said, look, I want distinction in the sexes, a man marrying a woman. I want distinction in what they wear. I want distinction in their disposition. That's what God wants. Every man is tempted, gone away after his own lust and enticed. What you wear matters. John three thirty, he must increase but I must decrease and if what you're wearing is increasing the attention that you draw to yourself God says that's a model okay ladies probably young girls you'll like the history by the probably the wives maybe not so much but we'll see who, who enjoys this your your trailblazers and trousers you ready for a brief hi- history lesson 1852, Emma Emma Snodgrass, she was known as, she was known as the wanderer in man's apparel. She was wandering the streets of Boston, she would get arrested. She was wearing, she's wearing trousers. They arrested. her. He's a trailblazer. 1850s, Mary Walker. She was arrested, the charge for impersonating a man by wearing men's clothing. That was in the 1850s. 1915, Luisa Capatillo. That's a good Italian woman, man. You don't you don't get them you don't get them uh, angry at you. You don't get them mad at you. They'll let you have it. She was arrested for wearing pants in public. Capatillo family. 1923 in West Virginia, a 14-year-old was arrested. She violated a local law that banned females from dressing in anything. The quote: This was the law. Anything that impersonates male's attire. This is from 18, the 1850s to the 1920s. Now, this is the big one. This is the big trailblazer. Helen Hullock, 1938. She's a 28-year-old school teacher. She had, to appear, she had to appear in court as a witness for a burglary that took place. And she shows up wearing a pair of slacks. The judge reprimanded. And you know what the reason he gave was? You're drawing attention to yourself. You're increasing yourself," he said. "You're drawing attention to yourself and taking attention away from the legal issue at hand." So the judge rescheduled court. Helen comes back; she's still got her trousers on. The judge gave her another chance. He re- "This is this is true." He rescheduled court again. She shows up the third time. No, no, judge is telling me what to do. You know what the judge did? He threw her in jail for five days. You tried doing that in America today. It ain't going to happen. Nope. So there you go. There's your, tra- your trailblazers and trousers. It's the I'll wear whatever I want crowd. No judge, no man. No, no man's telling me what to do. Now, you know what you got happening. Well, around that time, let me give you this thought. I'll give you the next. From the 1800s to the 1930s, do you know what was working in the culture that was fueling that? Anybody want to take a guess? Vaudeville. In the culture during that specific time, the 1800s to the 1930s, drag started to become more popular, and it started to become more popular through the vaudeville stuff. And that culture started to fuel the way dress was happening. Now. Drag originated in the seventeenth in the century because only men were able to perform in Shakespearean plays. So the male actors dressed as females, but their dresses would drag on the floor, and so they called them drag. They were drag queens because it dragged. That's where it started in the vaudeville time. They say they changed the definition of the word, or maybe culture just moved it to drag, dress as a girl. Either way, the church never pushed this. They stood against it. But the Shakespearean plays in the 17th century were followed by the popularity of vaudeville from the 1830s, 1850s, all the way to the 1930s. And that bald bill, that culture, started to persuade people. You can't turn on a commercial or a TV show without seeing something about trans this, trans that. Transvestites, they wear clothes that belong to the opposite sex. And it always amazes me when I see a woman politician and she's on the conservative side and she's saying, we're against all the trans books in uh, in the schools and we're against all the, the LBGTQ stuff as she is standing there wearing not a, not a dress, not a blouse, she's wearing a pantsuit. Now, you've got to admit that is odd because you would not take it serious if Joe Biden was standing up there, at, well, we don't take him serious anyway, but... We, we would expect somebody to fool him and give him a dress to wear and he wouldn't realize, oh, I just put that on. I'm standing out in front of the American people. If you had a man that was a Republican and he is telling, he's giving his speech and he's wearing a long flowing dress and he is saying, we are going to stand against the transvestites and the drag queen shows and we're not letting them into our libraries. Would anybody take him serious? but there's thousands of women who are standing against all this stuff that's going in the libraries as they're standing there in a pair of skinny jeans. Ladies, God gave you a pasture. Gentlemen, God gave us a pasture. Don't stand against the trans community. Don't stand against all the LBGT. GTQ, I can't even get all these. Every time I try it, I mess it up. If you're going to walk around town in a pair of skinny jeans and skinny shorts and you've got a pair of trousers on where all of it's ripped open, what type of Tom Fuller is this? It's absolute insanity. What are you going to do if your daughter grows up and she wants to work? She's an adult, she can wear what she wants. If she wants to be a trailblazer for trousers, then go ahead. Just you could still have me over and I love you. But you just ain't talking me into wearing a dress. I'm just not gonna wear, just not gonna do it. <laughs> the devil, look, the devil, the devil has duped people so long that we think it's ridiculous. We think it's ridiculous because okay. You know what they got now on the t- on the TV? Well, a uh, so dad told me this. Uh, I don't know if it was on TV, YouTube, or you got a video or whatever, but whatever the, the Muppets and, and Gonzo or all that, they said now they started putting Gonzo in a dress, whoever the characters are. They started putting the male characters in a dress for kids to watch them. Now, that's surprising to me, but on the same side, it doesn't surprise me because they duped women into doing it back in the 1800s and the early 1900s. And now, if you were to put this on ABC, NBC, or Fox News, they would think I'm some type of nut job. And they would think you, there's something wrong with you. We need to rescue you from your crazy preacher and your crazy parents. We need to pass a law. Vaudeville, the, the devil was working in that. That whole Vaudeville thing, devil was working in it to confuse people and get them down this road of cross-dressing. And this is where it led us to where we're at today dealing with these issues. We want to express our gender identity. Let's join Vaudeville. Let's not. The world provides a platform to promote that type of stuff. It has always been there and it always will be. There. All right. Well, I don't think I'll be un- under any duress. So I'll end the sermon now. And Josiah will look at the feed and see how many thumbs downs we have. And he'll say, dad, you had this many negative comments and, I'm not trying to be mean I'm not trying to be hurtful I honestly I'm just trying to be biblical and I just want y'all to help if you don't see it that way that's okay I don't think you're not saved I don't think you're not not going to heaven I don't think you're not can't be used by God in a mighty way I'm sure you can just at least